What happens when two parent coaches, one a Christian and the other an agnostic Jew, sit down to talk about parenting? I'm Dina Thayer. And I'm Kira Dorian. Welcome to Raising Adults, a podcast about future-focused parenting. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Raising Adults. Kira and Dina here. And we are looking forward to talking with you today about the important topic of assertiveness. I'm going to talk a little bit in the beginning, and then I'll probably mostly be listening while Kira imparts amazingness. So because this isn't one I've done incredibly at, but I wanted to just highlight for those of you who haven't yet signed up, we are rolling out this year our attribute of the month. So if you haven't signed up for this month's attribute, which is integrity, get on that. We would love to send you that resource and just let you dive into integrity. What does it mean? What's the definition? What are some questions you could talk about while you're parenting? What are ways you could model this for your kids, activities to help instill it in them, other resources, books you can read with your kids or maybe for yourself. So if you haven't done that yet, here is the website to go to get that resource. www.futurefocusparenting.com slash shop. You can also just go to futurefocusparenting.com and click on the shop tab. It is going to take you to the page that has our books available on there. But at the very, very top of the page will be a button you can click on to register and subscribe to the attribute of the month. It's totally free. We just wanted our podcast listeners to have a takeaway. And uh, so if you go to futurefocusparenting.com slash shop, uh, you'll find a place where you can register. Yeah, we're excited to share that with you. So assertiveness. Assertiveness. Now, as someone who was basically a spineless jellyfish until well into adulthood, (laughs) I will not be taking the front seat on this episode. (laughs) I have just recently grown a backbone in the last decade or so. Congratulations. Yes, it feels much better to have a spine. (laughs) I vote yes. But I do have a why for talking about this with my kids. And it's because I didn't do it well. I think you've heard me say that maybe on another episode. Sometimes the why is, wow, I didn't do great at this as a person. And as I was growing into adulthood, or maybe I knew even as a young adult, it's okay. Just so you know, people, it's okay. If your why is, I didn't do great. I want my kids to do better. Absolutely. That is an absolutely valid and I think even important why to say, let's not repeat this. Let's not have that cycle continue into the next generation. Let's break that. And let's have some people grow up who do a better job at this than I did. I think that's A-OK. So I'm just going to come out and admit this wasn't my area of strength. I was a very tender kiddo, and it just took me a long time. So that's my why. I really wanted more for my children. And so we did talk about being assertive. And even more importantly, which I think assertiveness really is, it's that balance between, hey, I need to stand up for maybe what I believe, my feelings, my comfort level, but also doing it in a way that doesn't stomp on the other person. And that's a pretty delicate balance, I think. So there's also that critical line to teach children with how do we be assertive, which can sometimes for people who don't do it well, cross over into being unkind. How do we make sure it doesn't go there? So I'm so excited to learn from your wisdom today. <laughs> well, it's not my wisdom. It's my dad's wisdom. Oh, hooray, um, dad. Because my dad did a stellar job. My mom, too. But my dad really, like, led the charge on raising an assertive daughter, which I think was, you know, in the 80s, 90s, w- was 
still at its tipping point of this, you know, strong women mm-hmm. thing. Um, but that was so important to him. And I'm not quite sure why. I never really asked him, like, what that was about. Um, but, boy, that was a huge, huge part of my childhood. And it was something I was incredibly grateful for, much like you with the money, how your yes. parents did such a great job with the money. My father rocked it when it came to assertiveness. And so he did such a good job. And I benefited from that. I still to this day benefit from the things he taught me. Mm. So for me, it was the flip. It was this went great. I want to make sure it goes great again. Again. (laughs) Yeah. And isn't it so great when part of your why can be yay mom and dad, like that they did a great job? I mean, they all make mistakes, but I love those few times when we can say, wow, I had a great example of this or I was taught this really well. So go dad. Go Kira's dad. Yeah, go Steve. He crushed it. Um, So I'll talk a little bit about some of the things that we have been doing since the kids were really small that we continue to do in the way that it's morphed and changed as a value in our family. It's not on our top 10 value list, but I would say it's number 11. Um, It's really, really important to me. And, you know, I think it's important to Dave, too. He was raised in this British culture that isn't an assertive culture. Mm -hmm. Coming to America, I think, was really different for him. And he has really grown and become a lot more capable of being assertive. Um, But I do still watch him struggle with that. And so I think that he's been supportive of letting me lead that lead that charge in our family. Um, but before we finish, I do have a question. Shockingly. What? I have a, we should get mugs that say, I have, I have a, a question. question. <laughs> um, I have a question for you, though, um, about, about the assertiveness piece that I can't answer that I would really love for you okay. to speak about. So, um, so when I was seven, uh, my dad took me to McDonald's mm. and I ordered a cheeseburger with no onions. And we brought our little tray back to the table and I opened up my cheeseburger and it had onions on it. And my dad said, and I will never forget this, he said, you have to go back to the counter and tell them that they got your order wrong and that you'd like another one, please. And he said, do it politely but firmly. And I was seven. And you know how it is. I think we even talked about this in one of the episodes. Like, kids, you're standing in a line and Mm -hmm. they don't look at you because you're a kid. They think you're with the adult that's in front of you. And I was was a very shy child. This is surprising to a lot of our listeners, I'm sure. But it's true. I was just terribly, terribly shy little girl. And so he absolutely insisted. And I begged and pleaded. I was like, please, can't you do it for me? And he looked me right in the eye and he said, no, because if you don't do this today, you are never going to learn how to take care of yourself. You have to do it now. And he made me do it. And it was like, I get teary just talking about it because I think that moment changed my life. I think it made me who I am today. Mm. So I marched myself up to the counter and I said, excuse me, I asked for a cheeseburger with no onions and this has onions on it. And they said, oh, I'm so sorry. And they made me another one. And it was that instant affirmation that, oh, that was effective. That worked. I guess I can ask for what I want. I guess I can expect that it's okay to do that. And that was what I think he taught was this balance between it's okay to ask. Mm -hmm. It's not okay to be rude. It's not okay to stomp all over people. But it's always okay to ask. And he also really encouraged, and this is where I want to go later with you, he also encouraged challenge the system if you don't agree with it. It's okay to ask. It's not okay to break the rules, but it's okay to talk about it. It's okay Mm -hmm. to ask about it. Um, So when the kids were small, 
the very first thing that we did around assertiveness was I was it was very important to me that they were comfortable talking with adults. That was extremely important to me. So I if they had a question, I would make them ask it themselves. Mm-hmm. I would go with them. I'd hold their hand. I'd do whatever was necessary. But I would say, if you have a question, you should ask it yourself. Um, they started ordering their own meals at restaurants when they were two and a half. So as soon as they could form a sentence, I would like chicken nuggets, um, they had to do the ordering themselves. And of course, what happened was when you have a two and a half year old ordering their own food, asking politely, may I please have the chicken nuggets, um, they, they get this immediate feedback of, wow, your kids are so polite or so assertive and they get a compliment almost every time. So I think it reinforced, mm-hmm. hey, when I take care of myself, it's recognized in a positive way. As they got older, some things started to happen that required them to be assertive, and we started having to have the the same kinds of conversations my dad had with me. This is how you take care of yourself. It's okay to ask. And I would say to them, you know, you can always ask. Prepare yourself that it might be a no, but it's okay to ask because you might get a yes. And my experience just in my personal life has been that 90% of the time it's a yes. I was kind of blown away by that growing up, like the number of times that I thought, Oh, no one's going to say yes to this, but I can always ask and I would get a yes. Mm -hmm. So a really good example in my own life where assertiveness really, really saved me. Um, My mom, when my mom was sick, um, there was a brief period of time where we we thought she was in remission and was going to be okay. And so we booked a family trip to Cabo and we booked these flights and hotel and the whole thing. And then we very swiftly discovered that she was not in remission and actually she was terminal. And so when we did the math on the trip, we guessed that she was not going to be well enough to make this trip. And money was also very tight at that time because we still had little, little people. Mm -hmm. And so we couldn't afford to do anything local and immediate unless we got the money back for the flights to Cabo. So I called the airline, and I'm going to give a huge shout-out to Alaska Airlines right now because they are amazing. Um, so I called the airline. I spoke to someone. I'm sorry, ma'am. There's nothing we can do. It's a refundable, It's a non-refundable ticket. But my dad always taught me, ask for a supervisor. Mm-hmm. You can always ask. So I asked. I waited on hold. I got to supervisor. They said the same thing. I said, well, can I speak to your supervisor? I got all the way to the top of Alaska Airlines, and I spoke to this woman, and I said, look, here's the deal. I literally am not going to get a final vacation with my mom if I don't get a refund on these tickets. So it's completely up to you. I understand that there's rules here, but I really hope that there's some humanity here too. And she refunded our tickets and we went on vacation here locally. So that's a great example of someone who maybe doesn't feel like they can be assertive would have backed down at that first no. Mm -hmm. But I really wanted my kids to know that it's okay to keep asking. Now, you also have to know when to say, Okay. Um, And we talk about that, too. There are times where you just have to say, okay, and be respectful of whatever was said to you. But there are times where it's okay to push push the envelope. Do you have a question? Dina's Dina's raising her hand. You can't see this, but I was raising my (laughs) hand. The roles have reversed. No, actually, I have several. Okay. So, and I knew I could only hold on to so many. Okay. So that's why I had to stop. Okay. So can I ask you, I'm going to go in chronological order. Can I ask you why the thing at McDonald's made you emotional? Is it because it went so great and it was such a turning point? Or was it also – I'm just curious about the emotions because I could tell you were getting wispy. Yeah, I think it's – I just have a lot of gratitude to my dad for mm. recognizing a turning point. So it was good tears. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, this is the thing is I think as parents, sometimes we know we're in a pivotal moment. And I think he knew that. And he didn't shy away from making his seven-year-old – go through something hard to teach her something bigger. 
And that is what a good parent does. Mm -hmm. So I just I, I really think that that moment shaped shaped who I am as an assertive person and has meant that I went on vacation with my mom. I think if I hadn't had that moment, yeah. I wouldn't have had the guts to keep going right. and fight for that, you know? Yeah. Okay. And then secondly, you mentioned that you started very young too with your two children, with having them order for themselves, ask questions, things like that, but that sometimes you accompanied them. And so I'm wondering if you could just talk a little bit about that, because I think it's important to recognize that there are different personalities and there are probably some seven-year-olds who literally, it wouldn't be emotionally safe to do what you did at seven because they would, they would walk away and they'd, and that's why I was wondering, they would be crying as an adult because that kind of scarred them to be forced to do it alone. And Mm. And so I'm I'm curious how you know when is the time to say by yourself versus, you know, I won't do this for you. Because this is what I would often say to Sienna and Mark. I won't do it for you, but I will do it with you. Mm-hmm. And so I would just be present. But while they asked, does that make sense? Absolutely. So tell me kind of how you make that distinction because I'm sure our listeners would be interested. To yeah, know. I, think it, I think it depends on the severity of the topic. So ordering your dinner – Nope, I expect you to do that mm-hmm. yourself. But the first couple times they did it, I helped them. So kind of like the chore thing, I do it, we, we do, do it, it, you do it, it, you know, kind of offloading that. So for things like that that were more repetitive, I just eased them in. And now, of course, that's just a non-issue. Mm-hmm. Um, for things like the cheeseburger is a great example. Like I remember there was a time – McDonald's is a theme in this episode. But, um, <laughs> what does this say? What does this say? Um, we were driving through McDonald's and um, the kids got Happy Meals and Rhiannon got the wrong thing. And I was late and it was like – I just didn't – and it was something. She got chicken nuggets and she ordered a cheeseburger. And I was like, I know you'll eat the chicken nuggets. You know, in my head I'm like, can you just eat the chicken nuggets? But it struck me as one of those times where, nope, I have to model being assertive. We paid for something. We didn't get what we paid for. They need mm-hmm. to watch me politely have that in, that conversation. Um, and so that was a time where I she couldn't do it for herself, right, because I'm in the literally in the driver's seat. So I did it for her. But she got to see it. But she got mm-hmm. to see it. Um, if it was a bigger thing – so I'll give you a really great example. Um, when they were four – four and a half, we went to the zoo and the zoo had a big carousel and we were in the line for the carousel and Rhiannon, um, like, as soon as they opened the gate, she, like, leapt forward and the guy who was kind of in charge of keeping everyone in the line grabbed her because he was worried that she was going to get lost, which was totally the right thing to do. He did the right thing. He was protecting my kiddo. But he grabbed her body and it made her uncomfortable. And we got on the carousel and she was crying. And she said, when that man touched my body, it made me really uncomfortable. And I thought to myself, it kind of like with my dad, like this is a this is a teachable moment yes. that like if I don't – if I tell her to blow it off, I'm actually teaching her don't trust your instincts about what makes your body uncomfortable. Don't stand up for yourself when a man touches you in a way that makes you uncomfortable. Even though I knew his intentions were great, I was like, what is she going to learn from this interaction? So I said to her, you have to tell him that that made your body uncomfortable. And she was like, oh, mommy, I can't. I can't. I said, you have to, sweetheart. Because, And I basically said what my dad said. Mm -hmm. If you don't learn how to do this today, in the future, if a man touches you and it makes you uncomfortable, you're going to feel uncomfortable telling him. So I need you to do this today, but I will go with you. So that was such a big yes. thing. I was never going to make her do that by herself. Right. Um, and so I carried her and we like held up this line at the zoo 
to talk to this poor man who was just trying to protect my little girl. But I said to him, my daughter has something to tell you, and I hope you'll be patient with us because I think it's so important she learns to tell someone this. And then she said, when you when you grabbed me, it made me un- it made my body uncomfortable. And he was great. He was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was trying to keep you safe, but I apologize if that. So he responded exactly the right way. But that's a great example of like, that's way too big to send a four and a half year old off to have that conversation. Right. So I do think it's reading your kid. But I think the bottom line is not backing down on learning the assertiveness. So it's always okay to find a way to do it Mm -hmm. that will create the least amount of discomfort. But I don't think we're going for the absence of discomfort. No, It is uncomfortable to be assertive. It is. Even as an assertive person, I can tell you, Mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable. I've learned to sit with that discomfort because I've seen it pay off. And you just said something that I, I have to pause and highlight because For our listeners, this is something you can use in every area of parenting, not just with assertiveness. You pointed out that it wasn't a matter of whether she was going to talk about it, but you could make the choice of alone based on the intensity of the situation, let's say, or of the topic or with an adult, or there might be a time where due to time constraints or other things, you just do it, but you get to model it. But listen, the being assertive wasn't optional. Nope. And so I love this idea. And you and you guys, you can use this in every area of parenting, give choices around how it happens, but not whether it happens. So you are going to go and talk about the order being wrong. And I'd like you to go and speak to the person and ask that they correct your drink or whatever. Would you like to do that by yourself? Or would you like me to come along? You've just made the assertiveness not optional, but how it happens, you've made optional. So I did that a lot. And you can do that around other areas of parenting, like bedtime. Would you like to read the story before we get in bed? Or would you like to read the story after you're all snuggled in bed? Going to bed, it's happening. Mm -hmm. But maybe we can pick some things about the bedtime routine and change that up. Or would you like to brush your teeth before or after you put on your shoes when we get ready for school? So essentially what you've done there is making the teeth brushing not optional, but where it happens, there's some choice around that. And I love that you said that because just want to say a little shout out that is applicable almost universally, not just on this topic. So I just didn't want to let that go unmentioned Yeah, because that's so important. Um, So here's the question I have for you. Okay. So I'll give you another great example of where assertiveness has shown up. We went to a um, a book signing for my one of my favorite authors was in town, and a friend of mine also is a big fan of this writer, and her daughter, who's eight years old, is a fan of her young adult literature, mm. which is sort of lesser known. No one really knew that there was this young adult you know, series of books from the same author. So her daughter was really excited, wanted to come with us. So the three of us went and um, the writer, when she was kind of doing her Q&A, was talking about this young adult series that she'd written and how it was a little bit of a flop. And we were at the back and we like held up the books and held up her daughter up in the air. And she was like, oh my gosh, there's a little girl here who's reading them. That's so exciting. It's not a flop. It's not a flop. At least here. Exactly. So we, um, if you had bought the new book that she just released, you got a ticket to get it signed. Um, And so we were all standing in the line because we'd all bought the book Mm -hmm. to get the book signed. And it was like she would personalize the book that was brand new. And then you could bring up to three more books for her to just autograph. Mm. So my friend brought the new book, the grown-up book, 
for her to personalize. And then her daughter brought her three books for the author to sign. So as we're waiting in the queue, this guy's coming by with a little post-it note where he's going to write your name, stick it in the book so that the author can just really quickly write your name. And so he says, the personalization is only for the new book. She's only personalizing the new book. And so they come by. And so my friend and her daughter are like, oh, it looks like you're not going to be able to get your books personalized. She's just going to sign them. And so I said to the guy, I was like, so we have like an eight-year-old here at a book signing who is really excited. I am guessing that the author would probably personalize those books if you put those little post-it notes in the book. I'm guessing she'd go ahead and do that. How about we give it a try? And he was like, sure. So he puts the little post-it notes in the book and we get up to the front. And then as we were waiting to get up to the front, I said to the little girl, okay, you and I are going to practice. Here's what I want you to say. The first thing you're going to do is thank her for coming. The second thing you're going to do is acknowledge the rule. I know that you're only personalizing the new books, but it would mean so much to me if you would personalize mine. Would that be okay? And you're going to ask. You're just going to ask and see what happens and be prepared for a no but it might be a yes. And what do you think happened? We got up there. The author was thrilled to personalize her books, gave her hugs, took pictures. I mean, it was so meaningful, I think, for both of them that she was there. And this little girl walked away, I hope, with a really similar perspective that I got that day at McDonald's of like, hey, sometimes it's okay to ask for it. Um, So, But what I'm curious about and the question that I've been kind of holding on to knowing we were going to do this episode is where do you think if you have obedience as something that you value, which I would say in our family isn't as strong a family value, where do you think the line is there between obeying the rule and challenging the rule? Mm -hmm. And not just with like a book signing, but with anything. Like, you know, slavery used to be the rule, right? Mm -hmm. So like it wears that line between obeying and challenging. I'm just curious what you think. Yeah, I'm kind of intrigued that you brought up slavery because I will say one thing I really work hard to do is make sure my rules are full of integrity and that I'm I'm not not asking them to do something that's yucky. But it's a fair question. So we came up with a policy for this and it's called an appeal. Believe me, I didn't create it. You'll be able to find it. But I allowed my kids to make a polite appeal if I gave an instruction and they felt they had compelling information to lend to the situation that might make me change my mind. So it really takes away this piece of I have to just give in to blind obedience. I have a voice and the rules around it were three. Number one, the request is made politely. Mm-hmm. So a sassy tone is not going to have you win your appeal. There has to be this respect. Hey, mom, I know you asked me to come to dinner right away and I understand that and I want to honor that. Can I give you some more information? So there's the request. So respectful and polite. The second thing is they did have to provide more information. So it couldn't just be, I don't want to. It had to be something like, I'm really near the end of the chapter I'm reading. Would you consider letting me finish this chapter and then come and wash up for dinner? So they added new information that I didn't know previously. And third, they then had to respect my decision on the appeal. So I might say, actually, that would be fine. Go finish those couple pages. We'll see you when you come down. Or I might have to say, you know, today we have gymnastics right after this. I'm not able to grant the appeal. And then they need to say, okay, yes, mommy. So we had kind of a a three-pronged approach to the appeal, but it gave them a chance to say, "Can Mm -hmm. (laughs) can I say something here that might... I love that. I think so that's, that's amazing. So that's how we handled that. Because, you know, what I know of your 
kiddos, especially what I know of Sienna. I mean, if there's anyone who's not afraid to challenge mm-hmm. challenge the system and challenge the rules, which I love about her. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of curious that. But it sounds like sort of very similar to what I was saying. We're polite, giving additional information, asking instead of demanding, mm-hmm. right? That's the kind of balance That's a there, right? difference, Yeah, right? huge difference. So what I did is with the appeal, that was really only at home. They were always giving a polite appeal to parents only. And so as they got older, we expanded that to include, now you can give a polite appeal out in the world or maybe even at school. And one example we had recently was Sienna's class for literature is reading Huckleberry Finn. And there is some very inflammatory language in that book that, of course, at the time the book was written, it was very different societally and culturally, but now it's quite offensive language. And so Sienna was able to, and she wasn't the only one, I want to be clear, all of her classmates were uncomfortable, particularly with the fact that the N-word is in this book. And at their school, they read aloud for literature and then discuss. And so they were able to politely say, we're aware that reading aloud is part of the policy, like you did with the book signing. We're aware she's only signing this one book, right? But we're all really uncomfortable saying this word. Can we have a pass? Can we not? Can we just not say it? Sienna actually did ask if she could just not read aloud because she also personally just doesn't enjoy reading in dialect. And what I loved is it included all three components of a polite appeal. They were very polite and acknowledged the rule that was in place and the policy asked for something different by providing new information. Hey, this language is inflammatory and offensive at this point in our world and can we do something different? And then they had to have that last piece, which was accepting the answer. So what they came to, which I think was pretty great, is they still read aloud, but the teacher let them pick a different word to put in place of that. So they kind of merged a solution together in concert with the faculty member to figure out something that worked. So that's an example where now she's taking the reins as a young adult to make a polite appeal with someone other than her parents. And so that's how we've kind of expanded that arena as they've grown older. That's fantastic. And for the record, I wasn't suggesting that you treat your kids like slaves. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking about, you know, like in our in our world, there are sometimes rules set out by government that ultimately we look back on and go, I can't believe that ever existed. Right? Someone had to challenge that. Someone no, had to break yes. that rule. And so where is that balance between compliance, because it's the rule and Mm -hmm. obedience, and being assertive, challenging the system, asking for what you feel is right? And, you know, I don't don't know that there's a perfect answer for that. And I also know that you wouldn't agree with just obeying because it's the rule, clearly. Um, But it's that fine line, right? And so how do we raise our kids to turn into adults who know how to be, I call it polite but firm? I'm not afraid to ask for what I want. I'm not afraid to be firm about it. But I'm also really careful to be polite, to recognize the system that's in place, to acknowledge that I'm not blowing that rule off. I see it and I have a question about it. I mean, essentially, it's, I have a I question. Have a question. <laughs> Don't worry. I didn't think you thought my children were slaves. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> I, I think really just for clarification, more what I meant is, you know, about conscious objection. Yeah. I'm a conscious objector. I am careful when I ask my children to obey something that they wouldn't say, mommy, I really don't feel right about that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that my rules are at least going to be okay for their conscience, but they might need to make an appeal for other other reasons. I'm just trying not to (laughs) cause them a moral moral (laughs) struggle. I I don't want them having an internal (laughs) 
I don't know what the word is. Angst. Angst. I'm not trying to cause them an existential crisis with a family rule. Let's not do that. No. Let's not do that. So I have a quote today. And it's actually not a quote. It's an expression Mm. that I find very fascinating because it's an expression I actually picked up in England that is about assertiveness, which fascinates me. Yes, because by and large, I wouldn't call that an assertive culture. No. But the expression is, I have to say it in my best English accent. Oh, yes, Much better in an English accent. I had to sing last time. That's right. Yes, yes. exactly. So the expression is, one can but ask. And I love that because it's so true. We mustn't be afraid to ask. Asking is not the same as demanding, right? And so as we foster this in our kids, allowing them to question, allowing Mm -hmm. them to challenge, allowing them to be assertive and to ask for what they want, and then also helping them learn how to respect the decision that's made, accept whatever comes down, and move forward. Yes. That's the combo pack that we're yes. looking Yes. My for. husband always says, you always have no, but you might have yes. Exactly. So, And he says that to me. So I'm clearly still learning. I'm a work in progress. But, <laughs> that's okay. But he's a sales guy. Around. So he's great at asking and not taking the first no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good for him. Good for him. So for more information, you can always go to futurefocusparenting.com. If you have an episode suggestion or a question you want to write in about, we love doing those spin cycles. Info at futurefocusparenting.com. And finally, if you haven't followed us on Facebook or Instagram, well, do it, please, (laughs) at Raising Adults Podcast. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded in my laundry room. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening.